Before I even play the intro today, I need to tell you about the Quantum Rabbit t-shirts that are now available. Go to the website quantumrabbit.net or if you like rabbits more generally or possibly more intensely, and after all, this podcast is named after our pet rabbit, Sheila. Oftentimes I'll look over at Sheila and um, then turn around and turn back quickly and find she's somewhere else in a different part of the room. It could be magic, but I think she just likes to move when you're not looking. Then as soon as you observe her, her position is locked in three-dimensional space. That's the quantum part of the quantum rabbit name, just in case you were wondering. Anyway, you can get a whole range of Shy Rabbit t-shirt designs at shycreatives.com. It's a little side project and a good way to support the podcast if you like. Or you can always leave a little review if that's easier or send an old-fashioned email. That'd be nice. Now, let's begin. Quantum Rabbit, a Frankenstein podcast. It was like, holy fuck. Can you feel what just happened in this room? Something is about to happen in this room. I'd like to thank in advance an old friend that dropped by the other day. I hadn't seen him in a long time, and he had an old story to tell. I asked him if I could record it. He said that would be fine. I now present to you, in stereo, Portrait of a Coincidence, a true story from James Nodge. This happened a really long time ago, okay? It's always stuck in my mind. It was so incredible that it's like not just once in a lifetime experience, it's one every 10,000 years lifetime experience. Even the boring bits I'm gonna go through to tell you at first really mean something at the end. There's a reason I'm telling you everything about this story. I was going from Australia to Europe, overland across Asia, and this is in the late 70s. And back then, no longer, but back then, you could catch a boat from Bombay to Goa. And actually, it was faster, and I think it was the only way you could get to Goa unless you went a real roundabout way by road. So lots of people took it, right? And all the Westerners, which were all hippies at that stage, were all basically debt class, right? I'm on the boat and, you know, and it took 36 hours. So there was plenty of time to, you know, chat and meet people. And back in the days, this was before mobiles, before credit cards, before emails, before internet. So as a normal thing, people would just talk to each other. really helped in breaking down the whole barriers and it'd be like where are you going what are you doing etc and this was actually vital information because back then I think there was only one guidebook that had just come out Asia on a shoestring or something by the Tony Wheeler mob who subsequently became Lonely Planet but that was like their first travel book and it was really basic so you really had to talk to other people if you were going to find out what were the worthwhile places to go 
So I'm on this boat and um, I meet this Australian couple who had been to Goa before. And at the time there was several beaches, right? You could go nude swimming. You know, the life was cheap and easy under the coconut palms. But remember, Goa was an old ex-Portuguese colony. And about half the population was Christian. So it was really, really unique sort of sense of the place. You know, I hadn't been there before, so they said, I'll oh, tag along with us, because we're going to this beach called Anjuna. And that was one of the ones that they had sort of talked about as being the primo place, you know. But remember, the beaches there, they're shit compared to Australian beaches, really. Anyway, you know, it's a beach, it's got coconut palms, you know, but it was a place, a destination. We get to Anjuna finally, get on local buses, go up the coast to this beach. And at the time, this beach and all the other beaches were just like bamboo huts under the coconut groves. There wasn't high rises at all anywhere and there was definitely no resort or mass tourism, commercial airplanes, any of that stuff. The Australian couple who'd been there before say, look, um, there's a guy running a, um, the local cafe and he's got some like bamboo huts that he rents out to travellers. Go and ask him, he's a local, and there should be something available. So I went and talked to this guy and he says, oh no, it's all full up. So I go back to the Australian couple and they say, oh, look, there's a guy sitting at the bar. He's got his back turned to us. He's also an Australian guy. Why don't you ask him if you can sort of share his bamboo heart because he's got a really big one, right? And I said, oh, okay. So I go up there. When he turned around, you know, when you come across something that's shocking, you just, like, you hold your breath and you go, oh, fuck, you know? Yeah, I was really shocked. He was very beautiful, very handsome-looking guy, but this lower eyelid, I don't know what it's called, you know, medically, but this lower eyelid, it was almost like it'd been cut in the middle and it was hanging down. Say hello, introduce myself. I think from memory his name was Tony. And, you know, explain the situation. And he says, yeah, sure, no worries. That night, we're all ready to go to sleep. You know, floor, bamboo, heart, all really basic stuff. And, you know, you sort of talk the shit as we do amongst Australians, you know. And it was like, uh, you know, where are you from? So he's from Karingbar and I'm from Cronulla. So they're like suburbs in the Sutherland Shire and they're right next door to each other. So that's of itself no big deal, right? For some reason, maybe because we were of a similar age or something, because um, normally you don't ask this of someone, but you know, how old are you? And he's the same age as me ball on the same day. So I never met this guy before, so again, no big deal really. I mean, there are millions of people that were born on the same day as me, you know, so it's no big deal. 
this led to the other question and it's like one of those trick boxes that you have to open the outer layer and get the right answer for it to click and open so you can get to the next level. You didn't even know you were unclicking anything. This was all coming of itself, like a flower blooming. Then it was like, well, obviously, what's the next question? It was like, well, where? It turns out, like, I was born in this little private uh, maternity hospital, no longer in existence, long since closed. Uh, there was about 12 beds. So I was born in 1956. He was born there as well on the same day. Of the 12-bed maternity hospital. On the same day? Yeah. His mum would have most probably been if not next to each other, in, you know, separate beds, at least in the same ward. And for sure, him and me, Tony and me, would be, have been in the same crib room, both on the first day of our lives. So to meet someone who you basically haven't had anything to do with since you were born, literally, on the other side of the world and not even know until you coincidentally what would have happened if there was not that Australian couple on the boat? What would have happened if the Indian cafe guide had a hut? What would have happened if Tony hadn't just then in all of this been sitting at the bar with his back turned to us? life experiences 24, five years later or whatever it was, had independently made our tracks to this particular room. Yeah, so that's, I think we got that. Okay, yeah. uh, thanks. We should go to this party. Yeah. That was a portrait of a coincidence. Thanks again, James. Out of curiosity, I looked up Anjuna Beach to see what it looks like now. These days it's described as a lively beach with water sport options. And the beach itself still looks kind of similar to what James described. There's bamboo shacks and coconut palms. The hippies and their music have given way for electronic dance music and that scene. And I think there's probably some more development and resort-style accommodation just off the main beach now, but most of the images were what you'd expect to see. However, one picture did catch my eye. Judging by the long shadows, it's a sunny morning. On the left-hand side of the frame, there's a sandy shoreline that curves off into the distance. It's not a bad-looking beach, even by Australian standards, to be fair. There's only about 10 people in the image, and... They're spread out across the length of the shoreline, walking along the beach and looking out at the water. On the right-hand side, there's a series of beach huts dotted along the coast, eventually leading up to a larger thatched roof hut in the foreground, which appears to be some sort of bar. And hanging from the roof is a sign. Tony's Shack. Thanks for listening. <laughs>